April 18, 2017, a day that will forever be etched in the minds of the families of Rhonda Jones, Kristen Bennett, and the lives of many folks in Robeson County. April 18, 2017, the day two women's lives came to a brutal end. Four years later, we are here to tell you their names, to tell you their story, and to seek the truth. I'm Chelsea Locklear. And I'm Brittany Hunt. And this is the Red Justice Project. So Kristen Bennett uh, was also known to her family and her friends as Christina, but her birth name was Kristen, and she was born and raised in the Northeast. So she's not a native of Robinson County or an indigenous woman, but she's really connected to several indigenous people in our community and had called Robinson County her home for close to a decade. So many of the news articles we'll reference in this episode will actually paint Kristen and Rhonda in a dim light, but we're here to remind you of who these women truly were. So Kristen came from a middle-class family. She was educated and, most importantly, well-loved. She had children, brothers, sisters, and a mother who still seeks justice for her every day. So as Brittany mentioned, Kristen was from the Northeast, and while she was visiting Niagara Falls one time, she actually met a man. His name was Michael Locklear, and if you're hearing the last name Locklear, you can probably guess that, like me, he was from Robson County or, you know, the area around And I guess they struck up a romantic relationship, and Kristen actually moved down to Maxton, North Carolina, to be with Michael. Her mother, Nancy, said she had traveled with him to North Carolina because she was young and naive and kind of full of life's expectations. And y'all, I'm just going to stop right here and tell you now, don't follow no native man to Maxton. I don't care how much he sweet talks you, you ain't lost a thing in Maxton, North Carolina. Just stay put facts so yeah that don't do it and also whenever i was interviewing the family of lisa holman they actually mentioned that they knew michael and that they knew um Kristen from interacting with michael or knowing michael from being in the maxton community so just to know there is some connections to that case as well but michael and Kristen ultimately had a very tumultuous relationship that unfortunately included abuse and was just a really toxic environment for Kristen. and so she ended up moving to lumberton north carolina which is only 10 miles away from maxton and you know we've mentioned that town many times before in the in our episodes and it's the county seat of robinson county and it's the biggest town in the county as well and Nancy said that she didn't believe Kristen knew about the crime rate in Lumberton, and her family didn't know about it either. And, you know, as somebody who is from Lumberton, I will say that while the county kind of constantly makes, you know, the top 10 lists or whatever for crime rates in the country, it's not something you'd really realize when you're there. It feels kind of like a normal southern town, you know, that's plagued with different issues like poverty or, you know, challenges with economic development and substance abuse issues. But this is not an anomaly. There are plenty of towns that are just like this, especially in the south. And it's also filled with great local food, a deep history, and also caring people just like Kristen was. And I think it's so hard to rationalize what makes the place so special when you do see the crime rates, and especially for families like Kristen's when they learn what has happened to her, and you read, you know, these very sensationalized headlines of, you know, this is a horrible place, you know, it's constantly making these lists. 
For instance, when I was researching about this case, I read an article from Inside Edition and it stated, North Carolina is divided into 100 counties. And while Robinson is the 22nd most populated, it has the greatest prevalence of homicides of the state and holds the grim distinction of one of the nation's most violent communities. Young people are twice as likely as those in other parts of the state to die before they come of age. And also, um, there was another study that came out a few years ago that listed Lumberton as the most dangerous city in America. I don't think it holds that unfortunate distinction now, but at one point it definitely did, and it's still a you know very violent area. But getting into our story, so on April 18th, 2017, the Lumberton Police Department were called to East Lumberton after a report had been made um, about a horrible odor in the area around Peachtree Street. Authorities searched the area and discovered the body of 32-year-old Christina Bennett inside of an abandoned home on Peachtree at around 9.30 in the morning. She was wrapped in a gray blanket and was already badly decomposed. It was a grim finding, and I can only imagine the horror of finding somebody in that state and then the realization that now an investigation of a death is going to be underway. However, things only got worse that very same day. As just only hours later, and just a couple of blocks away, the body of Rhonda Jones was found upside down in a trash can. She was naked and was also very badly decomposing. And it still makes my heart skip a beat thinking about finding Kristen and Rhonda like that, so I can only imagine the agony that their families are going through just knowing how they were found. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just um, just horrendous thing. I remember learning about it and just thinking you know, how disgusting this was that somebody could do this to, you know, two young women. And But also, before we get into more details of the case, we really need to share information about Rhonda Jones as well, who, again, is the second victim that was found that day. So Rhonda was a 36-year-old mother of five with two girls and three boys. And like Kristen, she was young, beautiful, and smart. And also, I recently learned that there is a personal connection between me and Rhonda. And so I grew up in West Lumberton, which is a as you know, small area of Lumberton. And actually, her mom lived right beside my family for many, many years, including her, her parents and her family. And actually, when Rhonda was born, her mom drove her down. I think Rhonda was born in Virginia, and her mom drove her down from Virginia a few months later. And my mom saw her and remarked about how beautiful Rhonda was, and then Recently, my mom also was going through our um, our like uh, family photo albums, and she found a baby picture of Rhonda that, that was given to our family when she was small. And so we grew up in the same area, literally on the same street, side by side. We went to the same elementary schools. Um, another thing I think is important to share about her is her mama called her Mook. My little sister's nickname is Mookie, and I think that's a kind of a common um, lumpy term of endearment. And so I think that's another way to you know, just show how important Rhonda was to her family and also how, you know, lumpy she was too. And, you know, just like Kristen too, you know, Rhonda also faced demons in the forms of having a very toxic romantic relationship and also a dependence on hard substances. And I interviewed her mom, who's named Miss Sheila Price, for this episode, and we spoke about the struggles of both. But please also know that these women should not be defined by their struggles alone. They were so loved, and it's just very unfortunate that they never had the chance to turn things around in their lives. And then here is a clip of Miss Sheila talking about her daughter, Rhonda. Uh, Rhonda was one of my fastest learners. She learned to walk early. She learned to talk early. She was always getting into dangerous stuff early. You know, it was like she was she was smart. She was born intelligent. Miss Kaylin called me 
she said, Miss Sheila, I would like for Rhonda to represent the academically gifted students of Robinson County. I want to fly over to Oakland, California for AG meeting. I'm like, Miss Karen, I'm not letting my... She said, Miss Sheila, I promise you she'll fly right there, do the meeting, and come right back in one day. I'm like, Lord, Miss Karen, just let me think about this, you know? Because yeah. my youngest going slam across the country for a meeting. Miss Karen flew around all the way to California just to represent Robinson County. Students that year. I listened to the entire recording of you and Michelle's conversation, Brittany, and I think two things stuck out for me. One, you could hear the, you know, just love that Michelle still has for her daughter and the pride in, you know, what her daughter had accomplished when she was younger, you know, with just her education and being an AG and just how smart she was. And you could also hear the guilt that I think we hear in a lot of the victims' families' voices when we interview them, the thoughts of like, you know, if I could have did something different or maybe, you know, I should have did this and, you know, maybe this person would still be here. And I just want to kind of reiterate the fact that, you know, especially for Miss Nancy and Miss Sheila and their entire families, that the only people who should feel guilty are the horrible people who hurt your daughters. Like, it is no fault of anyone besides those folks. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, my conversation with Miss Sheila, there was so much love there and that love has carried over, you know, for so many years and also so much agony in her voice too. And and just, just thinking about Rhonda and just... I just feel like there's personally so many similarities between me and Rhonda. Also, Rhonda was, she described Rhonda as being really, really smart. And I just wanted to share another quick thing about her. She said that Rhonda was so smart that she got sent to this college preparatory school in Pennsylvania when she was 13 or 14. And she actually went to school with Michael Douglas's son. And if you're if you're not familiar with Michael Douglas, he's a very famous actor. He's in the Marvel series. He's been in a lot of other movies. So that just kind of shows you you know, the great amount of brilliance that Rhonda had and also just the great potential that she had as well. But getting back to our story in that specific day, as I mentioned, both Kristen and Rhonda were found on April 18th, 2017 in very close proximity to each other in East Lumberton. And right away, an investigation into their death started with the Lumberton Police Department and the FBI was called in as well. So police chief Michael McNeil said that his department's investigation was limited without a cause of death. There were no obvious signs of blunt force trauma, bullet wounds, head trauma, or other violence, and also no signs of rape. Over 500 people in the community have been investigated in relation to their deaths, and the FBI conducted a door-to-door canvas, knocking on about 800 doors over the course of three days in 2019. But no true leads have been reported, and almost four years later, not a single arrest has been made. And one of the interesting things that I read when I was doing research on their case was that their bodies were so badly decomposed that the state medical examiner's office was unable to determine a cause of death, which I kind of think is BS because we know, you know, and this is totally me speculating here, we know somebody did something to them just of how their bodies were found. And I think we both know the women had a history of drug use, but according to reports, there was not enough drugs in either of their systems to kill them. And I just can't believe they couldn't find a single thing on either of their bodies that would let them definitively say that it was a homicide. I mean, we had Kristen who was wrapped in a blanket and placed in some kind of cabinet or piece of furniture in an abandoned home, which makes me think someone definitely placed her there. 
you know, you wouldn't just overdose and wrap yourself up in a blanket and put yourself in a piece of furniture. Like, that makes no sense. And then we have Rhonda, who was found naked and stuffed in a trash can. Once again, that's not something you could really do to yourself or by yourself in that type of position. Yeah, and she was upside down in the trash can as well. And so that makes it even more impossible for these to be like self-inflicted, you know. So, yeah, and I read one editorial in the Robisonian that provided the theory that it could have been a bad batch of drugs. And so let's just say that the women did die of drug overdoses, which I do not believe. Someone still had to place their bodies in the location where they were found. So, you know, somebody was definitely involved. And there's way more to the story that definitely needs to be uncovered. So from the beginning of the investigation, so many things have lagged for the victims and their families. It took 16 months for the results from the medical examiner's reports to come back, only for both causes of death for Kristen and Rhonda to be ruled undetermined. In an article in the local newspaper, The Robisonian, in September 2018, Eric Hackney, who's an investigator with the Robison County District Attorney's Office, said that the finding was expected. He was quoted as saying, It was our understanding some time ago that the results from the medical examiner's office were most likely going to indicate a classification of undetermined. However, this factor, nor the time we were waiting on the results, impaired this investigation as it has continued from the day these women were discovered and will continue until the case is closed, no matter how long it takes. For us researching the case, we see so many different agencies that say they are looking into the cases of Kristen and Rhonda. You know, we have the DA's office, the Sheriff's Department, the FBI, and the Lumberton Police Department. In some of our research, we have found that there have been things that don't really add up for us. Like, you know, there's been no reports on any of the DNA being tested. We mentioned that Kristen was found wrapped up in a blanket, and obviously that blanket had to belong to someone. There were no reports on, you know, if it was Kristen's blanket or, you know, whose blanket it was, and nothing about, like, any of the other vital pieces of evidence. For instance, we know Kristen was found wrapped in a blanket. Was it DNA tested? Who's currently in possession of it? You know, is it the FBI? Is it Lumberton Police Department still? Was each piece of physical evidence thoroughly tested? With so many different offices involved in this case, I would think that they would kind of want to hold on to as much physical evidence as possible and try to provide any updates to the family about, you know, each thing they find on the physical evidence. And another thing about these cases that really bother me is that it took the medical examiner's office 16 months to get the autopsy reports back to the families. And then just thinking about this case just gives me a little bit of deja vu in thinking about the Anya Aguilar case because her murder was preventable because um, the rape kit that her perpetrator was involved in actually had never been tested. And had they tested that, he would have already been in prison and would not have been able to kill um, to kill the child. So it just reminds me of this case in that, you know, Robinson County, I think maybe even North Carolina is just so slow moving in some of these cases that, you know, it ends up creating a larger system of violence in our county. And then I also think another major part of this issue, um, we see how the women are treated in local media and how that ends up spreading to national media. And so this is a direct quote from the Robisonian. It says, all three women were known to be involved in drugs and work as prostitutes, leading to whispered speculation that they had met up with some bad drugs. And media reports like this, where you actually print speculation instead of grounded truths, diminish the victims and do nothing to promote their stories. Neither Kristen nor Rhonda had ever been charged with prostitution. 
So to call them prostitutes and make baseless claims on bad drugs only fuels the rumor mills in Robinson County, which don't need any more fuel. And we um, know that both women struggled with drug abuse, but we don't know their whole story. We don't know the demons they faced and the challenges of uh, pulling themselves out of a very dark place. And when we fail to report on the humanity of folks like Kristen and Rhonda, it really changes the public perception of these women and I think makes it even more difficult to solve the murders. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And even if they were sex workers, their occupation shouldn't have been a death sentence. And it's so unfortunate that the media portrayed them as sex workers without any formal criminal charges for prostitution. In another Robsonian article I read where they even confirmed this, the article said neither Bennett nor Jones had any convictions or pending charges related to prostitution, but were found in an area known to law enforcement as a hub of prostitution and illegal drug use. You know, which is extra crazy because I personally know people who live in that area of town. I have family members who live over there, including elders. And just because you live in East Lumberton, that does not make, or, or, you know, walk around East Lumberton does not make you a sex worker. And even if it does, again, these victims did not deserve what happened to them in any shape, form, or fashion. And currently there is a $30,000 reward for anyone with information um, in the deaths of these two women. In Lumberton, the chances of being raped, assaulted, or killed are 1 in 55, making it the most dangerous city in North Carolina. But we refuse to let this statistic define us. We as a community have to come together to make our home a better place for everyone. We are coming up on the four-year anniversary of the discovery of Rhonda and Kristen. On April 17th, which is this Saturday, a vigil will be held at Luther Britt Park in Lumberton in honor of Rhonda by her mother, Miss Sheila Price. And it'll be at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and it'll last until 3 p.m. Kristen and Rhonda did not deserve the hand of death that was dealt to them. If you have any information on the deaths of either of the women, please reach out to the FBI. It can be totally anonymous, but the most important thing is, you know, to just actually contact them so that their case can finally be solved. And next week, we'll continue this same story, and we'll talk about the deaths of Megan Oxendine and the disappearance of Cynthia Jacobs, as their cases also take place right in the same small section of East Lumberton and at around the same time, and could very well be tied to both Rhonda and Kristen as well. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Red Justice Project.